how we get it, and how we lose it. I'm John Barrett. Hello and welcome to Collecting Confidence. This is John Barrett. Today we're going to be talking with Sue Bordson about a number of different things, but one of the things that is interesting that she talks about is communication. And she is a an excellent communicator. And I want to thank uh, one of my listeners, Marty, for reaching out and communicating with me. He is asking me, on I, I should open this up to everybody, but if you have questions you want, you can go to collectingconfidence at gmail.com and ask me whatever question you want. I'll try to answer it as honestly as I can. But he was talking about that I mentioned being in stunt work, and he wanted to know if it ever went wrong for me. And yes, it has gone wrong. That's not quite as much fun. But sometimes it goes wrong on the way to being right. And I'll, I'll tell a quick story about that. I was doing stunts for Drop Dead Fred, and... In one of those, the character slides down a banister and hits the knob at the bottom of the banister. He yells, play time, and goes sliding down the banister. So my stunt coordinator and I weren't quite sure what they were looking for. We weren't quite sure how they wanted it to go. So we started slowly gaining skills, collecting confidence on what we could do on this banister. And the banister had a nice, it's called, I believe, a finial a large lump of wood on the top of the last post. And the idea is you slide down the railing and stop because your body hits the finial. So we started slowly going a short amount of time and being very controlled on the slide and getting up a little bit of courage to the point where we could go, or well, I could go down it's kind of a wee thing, though, if you have a stunt coordinator who's helping you and protecting you. Um, I had to slowly and slowly get better at this slide down the banister, and I got a little bit faster each time. And we were going from about halfway up the banister, and it was really, we thought, we are doing a pretty good job. When we get to the actual shooting, the director comes in and says, no, 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 you have to go from the top of the banister, and you have to go as fast as you can. Okay. And then to get rid of all the fingerprints on the banister, they came in with pledge. Now, if you've ever dealt with pledge, furniture polish, and wood, you know that when you wipe down something with pledge, it becomes very slippery. So now I had a new, the first time I was going to be doing this was from all the way up the banister without any of the practice slowing down and, and they've waxed the banister. Somewhere, there's probably some very funny footage of this. I've never seen it. But I got on the banister, uh, walking down the stairs, and I get on the banister and slide into the banister so hard that it takes the banister and the finial right off. And I go flying across the floor and hit the camera cart. And, of course, everyone knew that that wasn't what was supposed to happen. It was pretty funny. But I just was going way too fast and couldn't stop at all 
on the finial. And so we decided at the last second, I would put one foot down and hit the post with my left foot. And that would slow me down enough, we thought. So they put a, about a 10-inch deck screw through the top of the finial to hold the finial onto the post. And they would teach me a lesson. This time I came down and was going so hard that it bent the whole post down to about a 45-degree angle, tore the whole banister off. And so that wasn't working. <laughs> and so we had to wait while they put a one-inch metal rod up through the 4x4 from the basement and braced this, uh, the bottom of the stair so that I could slide down. And I was uh, talking to Phoebe Cates, who was the actress on that, and she was standing next to me, and she says, how did you learn to do this <laughs> skill or whatever? You know, I was like, and of course, I just learned essentially that day, although as a kid, we always slide down banisters whenever we can. But this particular thing, she saw it as something that I just knew how to do because by the time she got to set, we had gone through all the practicing and everything. And a lot of times, I think people think other people are much more confident than they are. You see them doing something, you go, wow, this guy really knows what he's doing, sliding down a banister and hitting this finial at the bottom. So that's not really that much of a skill. But it was something that I learned as time went on during the day. I got better and better at it and figured it out. And, and the final one, I hit the railing, and it does, the rod does bend and the whole railing does come loose, but it held me enough that they could use that third shot. All of that, you know, you learn over time, and the, the worst thing that could have happened, I guess, didn't happen. And I, but I was okay if the worst thing that could have happened would have happened, I suppose. And I keep trying to look at life that way, that there's worse things out there. There's worse things that could happen. And I think you need to do that. I think you need to look at the worst case scenario and decide what it is that could happen. Because if you're okay with the worst that could happen, if you go to talk to a group of people and you forget what you're going to say, what's the worst that can happen? Well, they might laugh at you. Is that the end of the world? No. Would you like it? No, but it's not the end of the world. And I think you just have to look at life that way and not say, oh my gosh, the worst that could happen could happen. It's more that the worst that could happen could happen and I'll still get through it. I'll be okay. And I think that's where confidence, a lot of confidence comes from being prepared so that you don't have a worst case scenario. And then also being okay with the worst case scenario. That's not that bad. For all the people out there that are trying to get more confidence, I'd say work on being prepared. And I'd say be okay with things not working right the first time. A lot of times we see things and we just think, oh, that, that worked right the first time. Or we see someone be, we consider them an overnight success or that person's so successful and you see, you know, a Lady Gaga or someone and you just go, oh, that person is so successful. I'm sure there are long, long hours of practice and not being successful and performing in small bars or wherever before you get to success. And I think that a lot of us think that everyone else is doing much better than they are. And I think everyone else is just in a different part of their journey and looking at things in a different way. We'll talk about perspectives coming up 
in a future episode, but I do think that that's really important. So stick around. We'll talk to Sue Bordson about communication. My guest today is award-winning communication professional and consultant. Please welcome Susan Bordson. Hello. Hello, John. Nice to be with you. Glad to have you here. As always, I like to start by asking my guests, what do you think confidence means to you? The older I get, the more I realize how complex of a thing it is. And I think when we're younger, we think about confidence a little bit in the framework of competence, and we know that we're more confident in some things because we're more competent in some things. And um, a lot of people talk about it that way in terms of preparation. Did you do the work? Did you do the discipline? Then you'll get more confident. And I think it's much, much more complex than that. And I think confidence has a lot to do with emotion. And emotion is really at sort of a mystical level. When we think about ourselves and we're thinking about confidence, our emotions often lie to us. They're not, they're not accurate. So even things that everybody around us might be telling us, you're great at that. You should do that more often. We know that our own, we can undermine our own confidence because of the powerful inner voices that are telling us that we're not good enough for some reason or not competent enough. That's why I think it's really interesting to, um, when we're trying to improve in some area, and since I work in communications, I'm helping people feel more confident somehow related to communications, and not just in public speaking in front of a large audience, but also uh, in intimate situations, in one-on-one, or in interviews, or that sort of thing. And you have to talk about bringing in the emotion part of it, because that's what gets at the things that undermine confidence, like anxiety or hesitancy, that sort of thing. Excellent. Well, and I know that you are currently working as a communications professional consultant, but your journey here has involved you gathering skills along the way, in addition to gathering confidence. Can you talk a little bit about your journey to getting to where you are today? Well, I started out in television at the CBS affiliate TV station here in the Twin Cities, and that's WCCO. And I landed a job as a news promotion producer. And at each one of my kind of big career stops, I've learned some really important lessons that pretty much just keep reinforming to me that there's always more to learn. (laughs) You never really know it all. But that was great in that I learned exactly to write 29.5 second scripts and you have to be succinct. And so I was writing copy for professionals who are great communicators. That's why they were in the business. So I was writing copy for news anchors and professional voiceover talent and things like that. So brevity and being succinct was something I learned from there. When I went on to my next area, I became a creative director at a company called BI Worldwide. And then I became a creative director for national sales meetings and annual sales meetings. And that was completely different. So instead of producing something that went over the airwaves and you never get to see how somebody responds to it, I was now working in a space where everything is for live events and a live audience and trying to move them or persuade them or educate them in some way. The lessons I learned from there, I still use to this day because it's very much putting yourself in the audience's shoes or seats, if you will, for everything that you consider doing and creating. 
And I learned the value of that. I learned the value of when we're sharing something together, uh, humans in the same space, that there's really nothing that duplicates or replicates that experience. And they can be the most moving experiences because of that. And they can also be some huge failures too. And the thing about it is when you do prepare any sort of communication for a live experience, it's really palpable in the moment <laughs> whether something is working or not. And so I really began to love that. And then more recently, I've been producing storytelling videos and those like for nonprofits and corporations. And that's back again to be a really intimate thing where I'm producing videos where people get on camera and a lot of them are just everyday people and they might be talking about how a nonprofit has helped them. And a lot of times they're talking about really intimate personal stories that they might be nervous about sharing or they've never been on camera before. And so now I am taking those lessons. I learned about that mindset of always putting yourself in the other person's shoes and realize how much a relaxing atmosphere, um, helping everybody calm down. If I focus on that, then first of all, it takes the pressure off myself because I'm thinking about other people. So I'm not thinking about my own performance in quite the same way. I'm thinking about what I'm doing, but I'm thinking more about how am I affecting or making the other people feel and just how much that being in a relaxed mode helps people's confidence. And that comes back to confidence involves emotions like anxiety or lack of anxiety. How did you get over that? Oh my gosh, maybe it's, maybe it's a little bit of, I don't know what I'm doing, or maybe I shouldn't be doing this. Maybe someone else should. Do they know that I've, I've just graduated college? How do you get over that? And then how do you also then help other people get over that? Because that's where your role is now. First, you were just trying to get over it. Now you're trying to help them. How do you do that? Well, the one thing that's great about the broadcasting industry is that it's still one area where they kind of um, have a little bit of an apprenticeship model. I was fortunate to get into a place where I had mentors and people to copy and help me out, learn what to do. There's that old saying, fake it till you make it. And there's <laughs> always a little, I think there's always a little bit of that that is helpful. But I think what's more important than that, because nobody likes to feel like they're being inauthentic or that they're being inauthentic or that they're, you know, trying to pull the wool over somebody's eyes because that can add to feeling not confident as well, right? Because if you have that in the back of your mind, but is really um, honing in on why you're not feeling confident about something. And I think that is the particular challenge because sometimes if we don't examine that, you might be trying to work on the, the wrong thing that you actually need to feel more confident that means identifying what you need to work on and then being vulnerable enough to go out and find and reach for help and ask for help on those one things or go search it out yourself. So that's, a, I think, a really key thing for confidence is that ability to examine and identify why am I not feeling confident? What, what do I need to shore up and to focus on those things? So that's what helped me at TV because there are people volunteering to help me and lots of great people around to copy and mimic. As I said earlier, the one thing about working in television is you don't really get immediate feedback, especially for a news promotion spot or that kind of thing. If it's working, if it did any good, it's kind of more one directional. So I think in confidence and as it relates to communication is you really need that feedback from your audience 
whether it's a one person audience, whether it's your spouse, you know, or your boyfriend or your girlfriend or your friend or your child and being in tune with what feedback you're getting from your audience. I think some of it is getting to know who you really are rather than who you want to be. One of our earlier guests that we had on was a former U of M cheerleader named Jim Madsen. And Jim said that he didn't allow other people to get to him. He's like, you know, I don't give them that much power. When you're in television and you've got these people who you've perhaps been watching on television and they're professionals and they say something to you, good or bad, how do you avoid just losing all your confidence if it's bad? Or how do you deal with that, the impact of what other people say? I don't know if I have a great um, answer to that because I've worked in areas where it's a little bit ruthless. And so um, if you have a thin skin, television is not a a place to start out. I would say the way to deal with that is to really be in touch with the concept of self-compassion, because if you let other people's voices, if you repeat that to yourself in your own voice and take in what they're saying as true, then it's going to affect you more deeply. So so what self-compassion practices is really making sure that you don't let any of your thoughts say to yourself what you would not say to your best friend. So it's a little bit different than people sometimes mix it up with self-esteem. Self-compassion is don't let your voice say to yourself anything that you wouldn't say to your best friend. So if your best friend got cut down at work or got some heavy criticism and they were feeling down about it, what would you say to that person? That's exactly what you should say to yourself. Mm -hmm. And it's a really difficult practice to do. It's easy to understand in concept. It's difficult to do it. It is important to have that good relationship with yourself. And a lot of times, if other people aren't piling on us, we can tend to pile on ourselves. And I was just talking with someone today about that negative self-talk. And it's, to me, it's sort of like, my relationship with automobiles. And I know there are some people that love their automobiles and they talk about the chrome plated manifolds and all these awesome things. And for the most part, if my car works, I don't say anything. I just, I assume it's going to, and I only say something when the car doesn't work. And I think there's a lot of that that goes on where no one's willing to give a compliment for people doing what they're supposed to do because that's what they're supposed to do. So all the time, the only time we hear about stuff is when we do something wrong or something that's not up to someone else's standards or someone else's liking, and there's no pleasing everyone. So it's really easy to find people that didn't like the way you edited a film, didn't like the way you said a phrase, whatever it is. That's a hard thing to have all those people out there. And now it's very easy for them to be vocal and to get their opinion out so that lots of other people see it. Especially if you're um, anyone is a person that you feel kind of sensitive and other people's comments seem to affect your emotions a lot, is to practice worst case scenarios in your head ahead of time. So if you're launching into a job interview or you're in a project and you feel hesitant or not quite competent about it, and if you get any negative feedback, to play out the worst case scenario in your head and just go there and then ask yourself, can I survive that? Can I get through that worst thing? What would be the worst thing that's happened? And it sounds so silly, but I find like it really helps. And then the other thing I would say is to practice responses ahead of time for your worst case scenario outcome. So 
you you write a script or you do something, you do a job interview, you get really bad feedback about it to practice. If I get that reaction, I'm going to turn around and say, that's really interesting that you said that. And I'm really curious to know more about what you said that. And what do you think I could do to improve? Even if you don't think you need to improve, and even if you think that you nailed it, because people kind of expect defensive reactions. And when you immediately come back and you're not defensive and you're like, oh, that's interesting. Tell me more about that. What would what would you suggest I do to improve? You really can throw the other people off guard. Another thing I wanted to talk about today too is that if you have questions planned all the time for the other person, whether you're doing an interview or whether you're having a first date or anything, if you have questions planned, you're immediately making the other person be the performer and you don't have to worry about being the performer. You, If you ask great questions, you put yourself in the audience seat and that takes some of the pressure off and that can help with confidence too. So if you go in with people forget to prepare questions, they think about what am I gonna say? What am I gonna say? What am I gonna say? I say, prepare your questions, throw it at the other person, make them perform. That's another way too, that you can go in feeling a little bit more confident. Right, and now you've talked about how you got over your uh, potentially lack of confidence or imposter syndrome or whatever you want to call it in the beginning. Now you're dealing with other people. How do you help them? How do you reach out? Because people are all different. So you have to read them, right? They are all different. And I interview people on camera that are CEOs or very top C-suite people to people that you know have benefited from a nonprofit organization. And they are telling me, about their breast cancer journey, or they're telling me about something really sad or terrible or something that makes them nervous to talk about. The number one factor for all of those situations is everyone feeling relaxed. And so that is the key. And everybody, even our, did our cognitive function, even performs better when you're relaxed. Mm-hmm. If you're trying to get excited and trying to get kind of like juiced up and ready for something that might be the wrong thing to do. It's like just that chilling and trying to relax like it's no big deal. Even if you have to pretend actually will probably help you perform better cognitively. When I am getting somebody on camera for the first time, I first of all, I have a conversation with them ahead of time on the phone. So that goes back to competence and preparation and discipline. Then they get comfortable with what the questions are going to be and that sort of thing. But then when we get to the actual setting and we set up the cameras and the lights come on, you're trying to tell people like, pretend the camera's not here, (laughs) pretend these other people aren't here, pretend the lights aren't bright in your face. Just look at me. The the number one key thing that everybody wants these days is authenticity. It it always, always turns out better. Even if I'm with a C-suite person and they actually are the ones that are least likely to take this advice, but it always works out better, just be yourself settle down get comfortable in your own skin and don't try to be something that you're not. And that's very liberating when you can achieve that. I think that has a lot to do with confidence too, in that when we just get to a point where we're saying, I am who I am. This is who I am. These are my values. These are my principles. Take it or leave it. And once you get to that point where you can do that, you'll find it's very liberating and it's easier to do it the next time. How would you say your confidence has changed over time? My confidence has changed primarily in, I was very much focused on performance when I was younger. I wanted to 
out try to outshine everybody. So it, I was just really focused more on performing to other people's standards. I find there's a little bit of irony into like more recently when I was asked by an organization to do something for a ridiculous amount of money. I do some pro bono work, but this one was not supposed to be pro bono. And it was somebody, a client who I'd had for um, a number of years. And all of a sudden they wanted 50% more work for 50% less. And in the past, I would have tried hard to make that work somehow. And I would have been trying to put a square peg in a round hole and it would have, and I would have felt bad about it. I would have been angry. And the fact that I just at this coffee shop looked at the client and said, I'm sorry, that's not going to work for me. It's just not what I can do. And setting those standards for myself and sticking to them. I had never, I was just on cloud nine when I let, was driving home after that by, you know, sticking up for myself. Empowered. So that's, yeah, I think confidence comes to just trying those things. Every time we interact with somebody in a, in a situation, there's all these judgment calls that you have to make. As you get comfortable in your skin and just decide, these are what my principles are. These are my values. It's easier than to make the decisions along the way. And then being confident in decision-making fuels confidence because right away, you know, yes to that, no to that. And I think that also breeds more confidence. Another way that people like to boost confidence is to look back at the successes that they've had and remind themselves, yes, I can do this. I've done this before. I've done something similar before. How do you celebrate your victories? Victories mean something different to me now. It's more based on how other people feel after they work with me, after they have the experience, after they see a video that they're in just getting the opportunity to tell their story and really feel listened to. I guess celebration for me is just all what it makes me feel like inside if other people have had a good experience. Good. If there was something that you had to do to boost your confidence, what activity or thing do you do because it makes you very confident? Well, as a kind of a typical creative person, I have a lot of those stereotypical characteristics, which is one of them is procrastination. One of them is like waiting till the deadline is upon me. So the pressure builds up so much that you all of a sudden you rally all of your energy and you and you throw yourself into it and pull it off. And it's not a good habit. So I would say that if I get diligent and buckle down and do prep work ahead of time. <laughs> that has so much to do with my confidence going in to a day, a project, an interaction with somebody else, that prep work, it, uh, it's really valuable. What areas of your life, and this is where you get to throw yourself under the bus, what areas of your life bring out the least confidence, Susan? The least confidence. Where to begin? <laughs> <laughs> I think the least confidence is it's really easy for me to cheer others on or to compliment others. It's kind of hard to accept that myself or do it for my on behalf of myself. So I'd say that's one area. Here's an interesting thing. Sometimes we realize pretty later in life things that you wish you would have changed and fixed earlier in life. You just didn't have the insight. And when it comes to communication and confidence, we've got these two big buckets that get overgeneralized, introverts and extroverts, right? 
And communication outward was always easy for me. And I learned too late in life that introverts have a really special, valuable skill. And that is the amazing ability of listening and attention. I learned to value that way too late in life. And I didn't realize that I was not confident as a good listener until too late. And now it's something that I try to really practice. And when I'm doing interviewing, especially touchy interviews on camera, the skill of patience and tolerance during listening and empathy are such valuable skills. And every interaction ends up being more worthwhile, more meaningful in some way, if I'm, if I'm trying to execute and practice those skills. And again, it, you're thinking about your own performance, but in a different type of performance. Like I want to perform empathy. I want to perform great listening. I want to perform making this other people feel comfortable around me. And you're thinking about a type of performance, but it's a different kind of performance. You start feeling good about yourself when you start thinking about others before yourself. And then I think that in turn fuels confidence. Tell me a little bit about the importance of just communications in general on the day-to-day -day basis, because a lot of people really need that skill. I've never had a listening class. I've had speaking classes. I've never had a listening class. How important is communication on a day-to-day -day basis? Well, if we think about it, communication is, un I mean, unless you're living really as a recluse and you're all alone and you don't talk to anybody, communication is part of our daily lives. And even if you do live alone, you are engaging in communication because you have your own thoughts and you're talking to yourself. So there's always communication going on. My number one lesson, which I'm still trying to hone, less is more and listen first and put yourself in the audience shoes always, always. That then you think about the look on your face, the tone of your voice. Are you um, speaking with the type of vocabulary and language that is suitable for your audience? And the other thing I would say is that uh, the responsibility for communication, more responsibility rests on the communicator versus the audience. So it's often visualized or illustrated like a two-way thing. And there is more responsibility on the communicator's side, I would say. You have to know your audience, what can they understand, and stay in tune with how they're reacting. How are they feeling with you? That would be my, those are my main tips. Okay. Are there any tips that you can give people as we go out here? Are there any things you can share with us that will help people to gain or maintain their confidence? Well, if uh, maintain their confidence is different than try to gain confidence, I would just remind everybody that I, what I've come to learn is that courage is being fearful and that being afraid is a very normal human feeling. And it's not something that we should try to run away from or feel bad that we're feeling it. Pushing through it is actually how you gain courage. And so confidence isn't something that people should judge themselves feeling bad or good or try to rank themselves because we all have areas we feel more confident in and um, other areas that we don't. And that that's the wonderful, beautiful complexity of uh, humanity that we're all so different. And try to leverage the areas that you do have strengths and try to identify and have the courage on the areas that you don't have confidence and try to identify why 
and then try to think about what are the specific skills or tasks I can do for that particular area. But I think the main thing is don't let's not beat ourselves up. <laughs> I think be kind to ourselves is one right. of the main ways to nurture confidence. Support ourselves first. Yeah, that's so many people just aren't on their own team even. Right, right. And we all do that. We all do that. Let's not beat ourselves up for that either. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you very much for being here with us today. Thanks for inviting me uh, to talk with you. And uh, I've enjoyed it, John. Excellent. Thank you very much. We'll see you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Today's tip of the day is to have some self-compassion on that inner voice. Be kind to yourself. Thank you for listening to this episode. You can get more information about confidence and check out the merchandise store on the website at collectingconfidence.com. If you like what you heard, subscribe and pass the link along to a friend who needs to collect confidence. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please leave a review. It's one of the only ways to know if I'm doing a good job. Another way to let me know is to go to the support page. Consider making a small monthly pledge. A pledge as small as the cost of a cup of coffee each month goes a long way to keep the episodes and the information coming your way. The last way to let me know what you think is to drop by our Facebook page or send me an email at john at collectingconfidence.com. I'd love to hear from you, and I'd love to help you. Now let's go collect confidence.